Welcome to another episode of Unleashing the Future of Work. Today, I am here with a special guest, Naomi Hill, who is a community builder, public speaker, and the host of the Power of Why podcast, Shout Out to Why, where she brings listeners into the lives of purpose-driven leaders to talk about their impact and work. Naomi is also the co-founder of Inclusively, an organization that prepares millennial professionals of color to take their seat at the table. Naomi's conviction is to ensure that diversity of thought is embraced and that the work environments of the future are incredibly more inclusive. So I'm excited because we're going to dive deep on the future of work, but also mentorship and areas such as mental health and why it's so important in this generation moving forward. Now, without further ado, I would love to have Naomi come on the show. Hey, Naomi. Hey, Tim. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. Thank you for finding time. I'm excited that you're here. How are you doing with everything going on in the world? It's a lot. Um, I think, for one, just checking in with all of my loved ones, uh, making sure that all my, you know, peers around the world are doing okay, because I think um, there's so much uncertainty right now. Um, and last week, especially like the past week has been heavy, but mm. just making sure that we're protecting our hearts and what we consume and, um, all of that is just really important right now. So I love that. I love that. You know, that's something I'm always very mindful of. Are you consuming the right information and is it mm-hmm. information that's actually edifying, good for your soul as well as good for your mental health? You know, if you're tuning in right now from Ontario, Naomi, you're from Ontario, right? Yeah. 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 I'm in Ottawa right now. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) If you're tuning right now from Ottawa, show us some love, shout us out, or anywhere else in the world, let us know so we can comment, shout you out, and be part of the discussion that Naomi and I are having. So, Naomi, I would love for you to share a little bit more about your background and and your your Mm -hmm. career because you're pretty amazing. You know, you're this dynamic community builder, but you also do quite a lot in terms of content creation on LinkedIn and really just helping the youth um, and the workforce embrace more diversity and think about the world, working world from an inclusive lens. So what led mm-hmm. you to doing the work that you do now? I think, you know, a big part of it, especially looking back into, you know, my parents' history and where they come from before they even came to Canada, I think that plays such a huge role in my fortitude, but also the way that I approach work and life. So um, my, my, my parents came from a northern part of Ethiopia called Tigray. And, and people from Tigray are known to be warriors, survivors. um, And that just Ethiopia in general has been through a lot over the years. And so for them coming here with that, um, you know, mindset and just dedication to make sure that their kids, myself and my brother, had the best possible future um, was really important. And so they only, in Tigray, they only make up 4% of the Ethiopian population. And just the power of community, the power of sticking together is almost in our blood. And so I think Mm. that was definitely a huge part of my commitment to really support Ethiopian youth here in Ottawa and also, you know, black people in general. So yeah, especially just where my parents came from, but also my desire to want to build community networks Mm. and build as we, as we climb. Right. And that this is not a zero sum game that there is enough for everyone. And in fact, our life is richer and sweeter when we're supporting other people. So um, that's a little bit about my background 
um, personally. Professionally, I work in the uh, international compliance space here in Ottawa. And, you know, when I'm not there full time, I <laughs> started, a, started a podcast called The Power of Why, which Tim has been on. Ah, and It was uh, such an had, honor. It was so awesome. It was, it was amazing. And um, it's, it's so nice to hear from people like people like you who are so driven in mm-hmm. your, in your purpose and you understand the work that you, the, you know, the why behind the work that you're doing. So uh, to have more of those types of conversations, that's why yeah. I really started the power of why. Yeah. So let me ask you, right. Cause with the work that you're currently doing right now, you know, professionally, mm-hmm. you know, did you know exactly how, what you wanted to do in your career or did you just kind of fall into it? Like when I was in university specifically? Yeah. I had no idea, no <laughs> idea. And I think there was a lot of anxiety around having, not having the answers mm. um, and not having necessarily a path that I could follow step by step. Um, but, you know, some of the activities that I did in university for, for any of the students um, in, in the broadcast was the importance of just grabbing coffees with yeah. people in so many different areas, so many different industries that, you know, come to think of it, I didn't even know existed when I was in first year <laughs> university. And so I think trying new things, questioning, mm. um, being curious and just asking those questions around like, what can work potentially look like? Um, where do my gifts align? Uh, and all these things really helped with trying to figure out or iron out what what was meant for me. Yeah. Yeah. So did you? I don't think I have it figured out either. Yeah, I think we're always still constantly. Yeah, Yeah. you're constantly learning. You're constantly evolving, getting better. I don't think there's there's, but you know, I think for you, was there a moment where you realized, okay, these are my skills, these are my expertise, and my gift for the world, and this is how I could put them to use. What was that moment for you? Mm, I can't say there was one moment in particular, um, but. I, I think some of the activities that it helped to clarify was to to be still, yeah. to like I'm I'm quite an introvert, so it's just spending a lot of time alone and sitting in that silence and thinking back to the memories and the moments where I did feel the most fulfilled and the most energized, and that was, you know, there's there are always patterns, and mm-hmm. and I think for me it was when I was around people when I was around community when I was interviewing people about you know fulfillment and what keeps them going and understanding what all of those um, challenges were on their journey and solving problems building with really creative people like all of these were things that I wanted to embed uh, regardless of what role I was in and so um, there wasn't a particular moment but moments that helped clarify for sure. Yeah. So for you, I want let's dive deep into, you know, kind of work life dynamics, right? Because I think one of mm. the hardest things for people to do this in this day and age with so yeah. much going on and COVID-19 did not make it easier for people is managing mm. creating that work life harmony, right? Mm. So I want to ask you, how does Naomi do that in her life? I I really appreciate that you were that you used the word harmony in this case because yeah. I think we like to think especially when we're talking about this subject, this work-life balance. And the way that I see life is not necessarily work is 50% and my personal life is is 50%. Um, Work is part of our lives, right? Mm. And it's a piece. It is, I don't think it makes up half of my life, but 
um, understanding the nuances in terms of health and and really making sure that I was investing in exercise and eating properly. Mm. Um, you know, my relationships in my life. So my relationship with my family, my relationship with my parents, my friends, colleagues. There are so many more components than just work and life yeah. that I think when you're trying to juggle both, it's it doesn't do ourselves justice. And um, for me particularly, what I will always come back to self-awareness, mm. um, especially when it comes to creating or discovering what your what meaning means for you and your life particularly. Yeah. Um, so for me, that has been such a, um, a an incredible way to guide how I make decisions and mm. um, whether I would say yes to a promotion, whether I'd say yes to a transition internally. Um, so yeah, I hope that answers your question. No, that's powerful. That's powerful. I think, you know, uh, there's this new way of thinking about work mm-hmm. that, you know, is widely being adopted. I don't think we're just only seeing it in, you know, the next generation of talent or mm-hmm. our generation in terms of yeah. millennials. We're also seeing it happen in the enterprise with baby boomers and X. Cause I mean, more now more than ever, I actually had an amazing person on the podcast yesterday. And what she was talking about was people need to take control of their careers. And that's something I was like, yes, that's something I've been I've been sharing with the world for like years now. Yeah. But now more than ever, you see that, you know, when things happen, businesses have to either invest in automation or rethink mm-hmm. how they think about their workforce, which means we need to move into a future where people are more obligated to take control of their careers, right? And mm-hmm. they're more incentivized to take control of their careers and actually maybe um, divest their expertise and use that maybe as a beacon to make money or, you know, find other opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I, I love how you're saying your work is your life because now I think we're, we're living in this culture where you design your work around your life. You don't design your life around your work. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. It's critical because otherwise... Um, and even when we talk about fulfillment in work too, and the importance of tapping into that authentic self, it's there's so much internal conflict that happens mm-hmm. when we don't find that that harmony, right, between what we're doing for eight hours a day, eight, nine, ten hours a day, versus what our actual personal beliefs are too. So yeah, I completely yeah. agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let me talk to you a little bit more about mental health. Right. I know this yeah. is a passion area for you. You know, how did you become passionate about mental health? What does it mean for you to have, you know, uh, mental harmony in your in your work life? I would love mm-hmm. to hear. I think, Tim, during our last conversation, mm-hmm. um, that was a particularly hard time with, um, you know, the school that I attended. So at the University of Ottawa. Believe it was February of this year. Um, there was a suicide on campus, and it wasn't the first one. Like between, if we look at the past year, so starting from like January, February, twenty nineteen, up until now, um, there have been several incidents, and wow. that just had me trying to understand, you know, what is the, what types of infrastructure and support is available for students and then also employees within a company, right? Mm. And there there comes a time in these situations where people become so overwhelmed that 
they almost lose a sense of hope yeah. that things will get better. Yeah. Um, and in those situations, I started having conversations with people, you know, with my peers and my friends to understand like, what kinds of conversations do we need to be having with our loved ones um, so that we can understand where they're at? Do you know what I mean? If they're going through mm. a difficult time, I want to know when you're going through it so that we can support each other and that you know that you're not alone. Um, so that was a huge uh, moment that got me thinking about mental health, um, but also experiencing burnout. Like last, it was two years ago in 2018 where I, <laughs> I couldn't get up from bed. I wow. was overexhausted. And um, when I was coming out of the bathroom, I, I collapsed. I fell. And wow. I knew it was happening as it was happening, but I had no control over my limbs. Um, and that just, it was such a wake up moment for me of understanding what my breaking point was and what exactly I have on my plate and understanding what the, my priorities are to say this type of behavior and the decisions that I've made is not working and your body will tell you. And it told me and I had to listen, right? And so I think that definitely made me more aware of what is on my plate? What am I juggling? Does this need no. to be here in my life right now? And if mm. it doesn't, um, what are the decisions that I need to make to adjust and listen to my health first? Because wow. there's no way that I could pour into my community if my cup is empty. And so um, if I wanted to be of greater service to other people, I needed to take care of my health and, and my well-being. So yeah, I think those were definitely the two big things that happened for me to take this conversation seriously yeah yeah no i think that's so powerful too right because you have to know your limit in terms of physically and without you there you, you can't do the work that you love right mm -hmm. i tell that to my brother and my co-founder Tavon every time I, I tell him you know without we wouldn't be if god wouldn't exist if it wasn't for us right so mm -hmm. we have to make sure that we yeah. take care of ourselves uh more than ever and do whatever we can to to survive and thrive and mm -hmm. I will continue. And I think, you know, any entrepreneur, any leader, you know that you can't be your best if you aren't mentally, physically, spiritually, and yeah. really just, you know, well integrated as well. Right. And, you you, you know, you start you, leadership becomes harder when you're not taking care of yourself because you can't effectively 100%. take care of other people. You know, yeah. I thank you so much, Naomi, for really opening up and sharing that with us. And I want to show love to Ryan, who is saying, Tim and Naomi, so good. We've brought in a doctor and director of mental health for our startup. All of mm -hmm. us are under so much pressure, and it's so important we invest into team. Here's the thing. The entire team was pumped and wanted it. How do you feel about that, Naomi? Wow. Startups investing in mental health. This is essential. Yeah. And I think it's too it's too late to be thinking about it once you've reached a breaking point. I feel like it's harder to course correct, right? <laughs> but the, this proactive um, effort is incredible, is incredible. What are you noticing, Ryan, if you can respond in the comments of how this is really impacting your team and the team dynamics? Yeah, Ryan, let us know, let us know. So shout out to Donna who's saying, that is a huge step when you learn that lesson of what is your physical limit and she is also saying, your health is your wealth. Preach it, Donna. Your health is your wealth. Donna, let us know, what are some of your thoughts on how people can continue to sustain a healthy work-life balance, right? Because now, you know, in today's mm. age, we have 
people working from home and then they're taking care of their families. And at the same time, they're trying to manage like two to three projects, right? Some of them may have bad bosses. You know, what are some things people can do in your thoughts, Dada, to to just sustain? Mm -hmm. So Naomi, continue on with the conversation. I want to talk to you a little bit more about the future of work and mentorship. I want to ask you, how do you see mentorship changing in the future of work? So my views on mentorship has changed, especially this past two weeks. Um, We've, uh, my co-founder and I, we uh, hosted a couple sessions with the Ottawa Public Library. So in our city. And the last session that we're going to be doing in a couple weeks is around building relationships. Oh, cool. And, and it's, (laughs) it's amazing. And it's critical. It's super important. And through doing research around, you know, what are the components of building up healthy relationships, all of this, um, I came across, and I'm such a proponent of building transformational relationships instead Woo. of transactional. And oh so, my God, I love that. Because there's so many people who are very transactional. It's just a moment and yeah. you never meet them again. Yeah. And, and understanding those two types of relationships, I think for me, helped me clarify how I see mentorship right? Because transactional relationships, as you mentioned, they're functional. They exist like in that moment to exchange a product or service. Mm -hmm. Um, And when that service or product is over and it's been fulfilled, that relationship is over, right? But, you know, this in the traditional model of mentorship where the way that I see it, that the person with the most experience is pouring into the mentee, that for me seems really transactional, right? Maybe the you know the mentee reached out to this individual to answer one specific question, and that's great. I don't think that's a bad thing. But I started asking myself, what if mentorship can transform both people in the relationship? What would that look like, right? Where where both people are adding value, both people bring a different perspective. Um, and so today, like when you ask in the future of work, what does mentorship look like? Today, when I think mentorship, I think, you know, building transformational relationships instead of transactional. And because that's how you build meaningful connections. That's how you build um, and you're able to go well beyond just that one moment, that one time. Mm-hmm. So um, for me, and I don't know if you're familiar with Sarah Haggard. No, I'm not. Share a little bit more about her. Sarah, so Sarah lives in Seattle. And oh, actually, she, I do know who you're talking about. I Sarah feel like Haggard, you know she, Sarah. Yeah. She's built a, a mentorship Tribute. platform, right? Yeah. Tribute. Yes, yes, yeah. I know exactly who you're talking about. So we met uh, Sarah in a very roundabout way. It was very cool. Um, and we actually visited her in Seattle when we went down. And wow. part of part of what a big part of what she believes is the importance of leading with shared life experiences. Mm. So with her app, like it is intentionally designed that you know we're not prioritizing uh, your role, we're not mm. pr- prioritizing your position, um, but really what have you gone through and experienced in your life mm. that people can can connect with and resonate with. So. I believe I believe in that, and it's using technology as well. So it's an app that she's built with her team, and that's what I see the future of mentorship looking like. I see it where both people are able to pour into one another, where mentorship does not end at a specific date, but it's 
a relationship that you can build build on if it feels right and it works. Um, so yeah, that it's definitely changed even in this past month for sure. Yeah. yeah, it's continuous. I love that so much. I think that's so powerful. And I think what I love about what you touched on is the difference between transactional, reciprocal, and transformational relationships, mm. right? And I put in the reciprocal because I think there are, you know, um, there there is reciprocal relationships are also continuous, but I love transformational. I haven't actually had heard that one before. Transformational relationships where like you meet someone, they come into your life and they completely transform it and probably mm. make you onto bigger and better um, um, planes. And I think that's so rare, right? You rarely meet people who mm. are, who just come in and like, it's like, wow, like, Thank you. Where have you been all my life? Right. Or, yeah. you know, you, you led me into this path, you know, and there's only very few people like that you have in your life. So I think that's something that people should be taking notes on for sure. So I want to shout out to Ryan, who says that his team 100 percent wanted it, but only 20 percent actually show up to the sessions mm, interesting. with the doctor and 2 percent only reached out to the doc for private meetings. He would love your take on it. Understand why that's happening. Is that your question, Ryan? Yeah. Interesting. Huh? I wonder, I feel like there's so many things at play. Um, I wonder if mental health, as much as we're talking about it more, I wonder if people still deem it as um, something that's taboo to discuss, right? Taboo or stigma in, in, in the workplace. Um, but the fact that you can reach out to them privately, I feel that takes away the burden of publicly displaying that you are acknowledging that you need help and support. Mm, no. um, I wonder, I'm curious. I have, I have no idea. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, I, I still think people uh, are afraid to open up about their psychological and mental health. It's a stigma. It's a truly stigma because if you're working in a work environment that yeah. only prioritizes efficiency and productivity you opening up that, you know, you don't feel psychologically well, things are tough. It makes you seem perceived, being seen perceived weak. Right. And I think it just goes more into what we talk about creating a more inclusive and psychologically safe workspace where people can open up, right. Whether you're a man or a woman, you know, LGBTQ yeah. plus, like you can open up about that. It does, it's not, it's not perceived as a detriment to your growth or your performance or your professional expertise. So I think that we just have to completely shift how the workplace rewards performance or what it means to be high performing. Does high performing mean that I'm spending hours and hours of my time doing work that is making me psychologically unwell? Or does it mean that I'm creating, you know, that work-life harmony and I'm upfront with my team lead, my division lead, our CEO on what's making me psychologically unwell, right? So, you know, it's, it's, um, I think you, you see a lot in very masculine driven work, workspaces, workplaces, where yeah. you always have to feel as if you have to be peak performing and very machoistic when you don't, right? And those type of workspaces are what um, some organizational psychologists call them very red workspaces, mm -hmm. uh, where it's always a matter of performance growth driving increasing profit margins all of that and i don't even i don't think that's sustainable from an organizational standpoint you, you it's always a matter of finding that that um reasonable balance i think a lot of people operate in um as highly functional and productive people but 
holistically unhealthy. I think both can probably exist at the same time. I don't know, as mentioned, how sustainable that is. I don't think that's a long-term play, um, but I wonder, so Ryan's saying here, makes me second guess my investment. I've allowed group sessions in private all free. There, there can also be that component of not necessarily performance being uh, scrutinized, but yeah. your ability to move up in an organization, be promoted. Um, what yeah. does that look like um, in terms of leadership and how they view you, um, employees as well? So yeah. there's that privacy piece until it becomes, you know, an accepted um, conversation that will always be at the back of people's minds for sure. Yeah, I want to show love to Elijah. Hey, Elijah, what's up, man? And hey. Tanya is saying there's a vulnerability component for sure as well. I think it's worth exploring how to make vulnerability okay. Perhaps mm. case studies of people who have had that moment of needing to reach out. Familiarity makes people feel less vulnerable. So showcasing those moments, those pivots, I think it would be helpful, Ryan. What do you think, Naomi? I think that's a really powerful point, Tanya. That is really powerful. Yeah, I wonder if... Yeah, it's complex, but we must make it available. I, I completely agree. What is leadership's tone as well when mm. introducing this? Uh, Ryan, are you the founder of the organization that you're speaking about? Yeah, Ryan's saying, yeah, it's complex, but it, we must make it avail. <laughs> I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. It's true. I agree. It's true. You know, shout out to Donna who's saying, give yourself permission to rest and take time for self care. As an entrepreneur, wife, mother, and friend, I realize self-care is what sustains the real me. I schedule appointments with myself all the time. I love it. Shout out to you, Donna. Nicole, I mean, Naomi, I'm sorry. What do you do for, for self-care? What's your self-care regimen look like? I definitely schedule time for myself, <laughs> for sure. I just recently made a post around um, you know, how we often... <laughs> say no to ourselves or if we've scheduled time in our calendar block time to to read or just be alone and think um that because we're scheduling it with ourselves, we can say okay we can move it around um and not be as committed to those uh to those timestamps as we would meeting with other people and so i think for me taking the time that I set aside for myself seriously mm. and maybe I won't see the impact or the benefit in that particular moment. Um, but long-term, this is how I build a strong relationship with me, right? With me. And I take that relationship seriously. So yeah, time blocking. Um, I set ritual like morning and evening rituals, like as much as we can't control what will happen throughout the day. I think the way that we start our day and the way that we end our day um, mm. is is really, really important and, and something that I take really seriously for sure. Yeah. And I love how you mentioned rituals. We are, you know, as human beings, we're highly ritualistic. Rituals really help us, you know, get a great mental model of what our day is going to look like and help us get into a groove. So rituals are so important. And even for, you know, me from as a creative, I'm always thinking yeah. about and my rituals are weird. Like I just, I do, I just like, like before I like start designing or doing anything, I yeah. kind of, I need a spark. Like I need either to listen to somebody or mm. I just have to drink something like water and I just get in the zone. Right. I have to kind of visualize mm. what I want to build. 
And you know, it's it's weird as a creative, you are you're always getting inspiration from all kinds of different places. Yeah. <laughs> so like your groove is just it's a random, but then when you're in focus mode and you just want to yep. create and you're kind of like thinking through roles, you're thinking through situations, you're thinking through concepts, you get lost in that moment, right? Powerful. So it's like, you know, it, it, so your ritual is just it's it's almost anything that kind of like gives you that traction that traction to focus and then you just you get in that zone and then when people distract you, you're like ah oh my god <laughs> do you okay so tim do you schedule your creative times um when you know that you're most productive or creative you know i actually don't i think for you know it's it just it happens i think i'm most creative at night for sure but i'm also yeah. most creative right after I've just like listened to audio book or read something yeah. or had a really stimulating conversation. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, if someone just like gave me three ideas, I'll go right You're back. Like I'm ready to run where, with it. Yeah. I'm ready to yeah. run with this and see how we can conceptualize this and how it makes sense for maybe a problem we want to solve. So for, for me, you know, it's, it's, it always had, it's like, there's always something that stimulates the creativity. And, you know, mm -hmm. I think the, the best way to maintain creativity and, and be creative is like having great conversations, like the one that we're having. You know, I think, you know, one of the things that kind of concerns me about this whole remote work craze is that we're completely over-optimizing around what remote work cannot do. Like it yeah. actually doesn't allow creativity to be nurtured in this very organic way because you're always just seeing people through a screen. <laughs> like spontaneous conversation yeah yeah that's how like the best creativity emerges and that's actually even one reason why we um at guide we really want to make sure that when we think about our experience design team and our product team that 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 they're you know a, a few of those people are remotely co-located right even though um we're still embracing virtual work like you still want to create some sort of cohesion within a distributed mm. workforce model um, and you don't want to be fully remote because I don't believe you can get the best ideas to rise to the mm -hmm. top and, you know, that that community component. So you want to find like the healthy harmony. So I kind of I kind of I, I get concerned when I see a lot of companies saying we're completely going remote. 100%. Yeah. They're going to you know, they're going to take away the like the physical component and the community um, angle for their workforce. What are your thoughts on that, Naomi? Even as I think about my own work because it's been about what since march it's been about two or three months since we've been yeah. fully remote and before this change my organization actually wasn't equipped for us to work from home fully um i didn't have a laptop or a cell phone and so that transition happened and it happened really quickly um yeah. even after conversations months prior that having that flexibility so when i physically can't come into the office i can still work um and so for me i do miss that community aspect and i feel like yeah. if we end up going 100 percent remote um after things start to open up i would want to find a co-working space that i can work out of um yeah. maybe two times or three times a week where that connection is still available because you're right the spontaneous conversations um the the you know, conversations that we've had in the kitchen or <laughs> passing or grabbing coffee with people. Um, there was so much room for the unexpected to happen. Mm. And now everything's scheduled, right? Yeah. <laughs> Everything yeah. is scheduled and it's a timestamp on my calendar, which which removes a lot of that for sure. Yeah. So what true. do you guys think? So what true. are you thinking for guide after things start to open up? You, you know, I, 
I think, you know, we're definitely going to have a headquarters in Oakland uh, and we're going to have a, you know, bring on a few people in the in that headquarters. And, mm-hmm. you know, we we do have people who we're already working with in terms of engineering uh, in international locations such as Ukraine, as well as India. So I think you can have you, it's just having a distributed work model and making sure that you have the framework in place so it can scale right mm-hmm. and you don't have to over policy everything <laughs> yeah I think there's a lot of companies it's all about policies 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 there's like a document full of policies but you know what we really embrace with guide is like work from anywhere mm. right work from anywhere you know there are certain roles that we want you to be co-located you know but it could be we're in Oakland and we only go into the office when we want to, right? Or we want to see each other and have that um and have that team camaraderie. So yeah. I think every every company has to think about what will work best for your company's DNA and culture. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. 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 So shout out to Ryan who's saying, Hey Donna, you rule. Adult education, you rule. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Ryan is like, you rule. Thanks for the positivity. Shout out to Ryan. They're being, they're making friends. They're being best friends in the comments. So <laughs> Naomi, you know, as we cap things off, there's one last question I have for you that I think is really, really powerful. You know, how do you believe workers can create fulfillment in their careers? Mm-hmm. This is the question that I wanted to, and almost um, become re- became relentless in, in asking yeah. people through the podcast. Uh, what does that look like for you? Is it something that you create? Is it something that you search for and you're finding? And I think we've even had some a lot of conversations around this too. And I do not believe that it's something that is external and something that you need to search for. Um, it's so much of it is looking within and asking yourself questions um, to seek greater awareness of you know what are your what are your values. Mm. What are what does light you up, right? And I think for me, some of those questions were around the narrative about myself that I was carrying. Yeah, um, that was so influenced by everyone around me. And I mean, we're essentially programmed and trained to think a certain way um, from a very early age, and think that strips away our authenticity. It strips mm. away um, that connection that we have with our with our with our spirit right and yeah. so for me the probably the most important question that i've asked myself in around creating fulfillment is what does it mean you know not to carry the narrative that served me to get to this point but probably won't take me to the next level I right? love that. Yeah. Um, and and I always think about even on our uh, podcast episode, you talked about being in, like setting that time to go to the library and yeah. ask yourself all of the difficult yeah. questions, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and I see that as a really important practice to check in with yourself and mm. remove distraction and just say, you know, what do these questions mean to me? And so when it comes to creating fulfillment in your career it always comes back to self. It always comes back to asking those difficult questions. Why are you starting that business? Why are you in this industry? Um, you know, what problems do you, do you not want to give up on? And, and essentially what do you believe in? What do you believe in strongly that you will do anything to, 
to keep providing value to and to keep speaking to. So man, that's so powerful, Naomi. And I think people people forget to do it. People forget to check in with themselves, right? Because mm. you're so busy doing so much for others sometimes that you completely mm -hmm. forget. Like it be you become robotic and just mm -hmm. doing things that don't matter and actually don't fill your cup, as you mentioned earlier. The the one point that I'd really like to to add um, and talk about is like when we talked about time, time stamping earlier and time blocking and setting yeah. those rituals, I think it's not necessarily about your calendar and at what times you're doing things, um, but it's about how you honor what you say you're going to do for yourself. It's mm. about showing up for yourself too. Um, and I think this sometimes, at least for me, um, I can be dismissive of what I need in this moment because I'm thinking about how I can cater to all of these different factors. And mm. um, that to me isn't building sustainably, right? I love it. I love it. So shout out to Sage, Mr. Bailey. What's up, man? Nothing compares to a good book or conversation that makes you want to optimize yourself. Mm. Powerful, Sage. Powerful, man. So Shalika is saying, yes, working in the office two days per week is what her company is potentially shifting to or what she's experienced. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's awesome. That's awesome. And dear LinkedIn user that has no name. Yes, Oakland is where <laughs> we are located. Guide is in Oakland. I am in Oakland. That's where I reside. So that's where our headquarters is. And that's where we're building our team. So shout out to you for asking that question. With that said, Naomi, where can the people follow you and learn more about your work? Uh, yeah. So I have a website where I share all of the podcast episodes and my guest stories at NaomiHyla.com. And I also started a Substack newsletter. Is anyone on Substack here. I, I want it's such a it's such a cool tool uh, to to make all your newsletter uh, postings available also on their site. So um, I started a Substack newsletter, uh, the power of why slash Substack.com. So I plan on definitely being more active um, in those avenues. And if you want to connect with me on Instagram, uh, it's Naomi A Hyla. So I look forward Yay. to seeing you all there. Make sure to connect with her on Instagram and LinkedIn. She's super active there. Naomi, thank you so much for sharing all of your amazing wisdom with the guide community and being on the show today. You know, we should have you on for a future episode. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Tim, for continuing to show up and, and just <laughs> highlighting so many different people. I've learned so much from you over these past few years. So thanks for being you, Tim. I really appreciate it. Naomi, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye, y'all. All right, y'all, if you enjoyed that episode, make sure that you go ahead and check us out at utfow.com if you're interested in being a future guest or know someone that should be a future guest on a future episode. And also make sure to let me know if you're interested in sponsoring at utfow.com. In addition, we are going to be launching our beta for a guide soon. So if you're interested in being a creator or bringing guide into your corporation, your business, your enterprise, make sure you check us out and be a part of our early beta access at guideapp.co. Guideapp.co is where you can sign up for early access. With that said, peace, love, and stay safe with all of the rioting and craziness going on in the world. Take care of yourself and continue to build something that you love. All right, y'all. Peace.